Hi, this is Welcome to Self, caring for the human in the therapist chair. And I'm your host, Dr. Haley D. Quinn, fellow human, clinical psychologist, supervisor, and trainer. Welcome to Self is a place where you can come and learn ways to elevate your own care and compassion. A place to rest and be soothed. A place to remember that you are human first and choose the helping profession as just one of the roles in your life. My aim is that this is a place of soothing, comfort, nourishment and nurture. A place where you can also welcome yourself. Welcome to another episode. I'd like to take a moment of gratitude for Jazz, who left me a comment on social media. Jazz said, Thank you for sharing this wonderful podcast. It has helped me a lot where I was distressed in my clinical practice. Thank you so much, Jazz, for taking the time to let me know this. It really does make a difference to me. I'm so pleased that it's been helpful for you. I'm thrilled to introduce my next guest, Sarah Reese. Sarah's podcast was the first one that I went on as a guest, and it's part of what inspired me to start my own. Sarah is a BABCP accredited cognitive behavioural therapist who is also trained in compassion-focused therapy and EMDR. She works in private practice delivering online and face-to-face therapy, along with delivering clinical supervision for therapists. Sarah, like myself, believes that the most important relationship you'll ever have is with yourself and that learning to understand your mind and change unhelpful patterns of thinking is one of the best things you can do to improve your mental health and well-being. With the right knowledge and tools, you can experience a happier life with less stress, anxiety and overwhelm. Sarah helps people develop the coping strategies they need to reduce psychological distress and difficulty and to build resilience through therapy, mental health blogs, and her podcast, Ask the Therapist. So it's with great pleasure that I return the favour and welcome Sarah onto my podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed chatting with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Helen. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. This is really lovely for me because your podcast was actually the first podcast of somebody else's that I ever went on. Oh, wow. Lovely. (laughs) This this is nice to uh, have you on to my podcast now. So welcome. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. It's lovely to connect with you again. Yeah, always. I feel very lucky that I saw you not that long ago in the UK and now again and and later in the year. Which we've just discovered. I'm very excited at the conference. So that means I have to go to the conference now. So that's I can't wait. Fantastic. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Lovely. So you're zooming in from the UK. So it's morning for you. uh, So thank you for starting your day with this. Do you want to just start with telling us a little bit about yourself and your pathway to a career in the helping professions and what it is that you do now? 
Okay, so I don't know how far back I should start. Um, Wherever you I are. suppose, okay, well, back in 1970. No, I won't go that far back. Um, I suppose, how did I come to it? I, I started my career in the 1990s in, um, I don't know if you remember the Care and Community Act and people, they were, we were closing down all the kind of big um, mental asylums and those big institutions and, and bringing people into the community which was a bit of chaos at the time if I can remember correctly and I was a support worker and I worked with um in part of recycling people that had been in these big institutions for for years and years some had been a couple had been born there and some had um learning difficulties mental health problems but some were literally it's because they're illegitimate children and they were now elderly being resettled into the community so so I uh, got the opportunity to go to these big hospitals and see them, which was kind of mind blowing. And that, so that was how how I came to that job. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't even remember. I think a friend was doing it and said, oh, this is really good fun. And, and that's how I got into it. And then um, I was working with people learning difficulties and mental health problems and kind of decided that I was really interested in in mental health problems and um, and medication at the time and treatments and stuff and my next pathway was to become a mental health nurse so that's that's the route I, I took down and absolutely loved being a mental health nurse I thought it was what I'd do for ever and ever so I worked in Manchester um, I've worked in most of the hospitals, in most services in the community. I was a community psychiatric nurse for about six years. I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that until there was this big restructure and they split everything out. And that just, it really, I think that really threw me in my career because I thought I'd be a community psychiatric nurse for the rest of my life it was at a time where caseloads were nice and reasonable I had yeah. people that were elderly people that were young a couple of my people on my caseload that needed more intensive support you got to know families and now I know that community psychiatric nurses have about 30 people on the caseload if you're well you're discharged there's not that longevity of care and yeah. so it it, it just changed um, so that really threw me, uh, but I was always really interested in, in recovery and, you know, how do we get people well? And I suppose coming from a medical background, I saw the impact of the psychiatric medication is, in, you know, immensely helpful at times and changes people's lives and can be really damaging. And I yeah. just didn't think it was, it's all needs to be on medication. There has to be more avenues. So that became interesting for me. And I did a, a degree in psycho, um, psychological interventions. And then um, and then I thought, I, I know what I want to do. I want to change the NHS. <laughs> I'm going to change the world, change the NHS. So I went into management for a while and I managed the South Manchester primary care team and yeah. quickly realised that I was probably not great as a manager um, and I wasn't going to change the world um, and I just missed I missed part being part of the team and yeah. um, doing the client work and working with people so I um I um took the training to become a CBT therapist 
I'd done um, my counselling training a number of years before, so I had that good foundation. So I did um, my yeah. CBT training and worked in the IAPT, um, but not for that long. I think I did about six months and I just then went into private practice and everything yeah. changed again for the better. So, and that was about, God, it, that is coming up for, I think, eight years ago now, which is shocking. Wow. So it's the longest I've ever done anything for. Yeah. And so currently where I am, I'm um, in private practice based in Wilmslow in Cheshire. I do yes. lots of online work now, which is what a lot of us are doing. So face-to-face, -face, online, I support people who are um, making the transition into private work or so I do a bit of business coaching and mentoring I do lots of supervision I um, collaborate with um, on a website builder for therapists I do blogs podcasts yeah probably will be doing some writing at some point so I'm doing lots of stuff yeah <laughs> so, lots of diversity so a varied career but along the same theme and sort of yes. starting from a place where you just found yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your friend had yeah. this job and you sort of found yourself there. Um, yeah. Which has led to, you know, doing so much. And you like you say, you've got your private yeah. practice, but then you've got a lot of other things that you do in that as well, don't you? Yeah. And I, I, I've yeah. always, people I work with and supervise, I always say, you know, some diversity in your practice can be so helpful, I think. Yes, um, it can, yeah. But of course, you've got a private practice very, very, very close to where I grew up. Very close. Yeah. yeah. It's only about 10 minutes away. So, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> so like you say, you're based in Wilmslow, Cheshire in the UK. Yeah. What is it you enjoy most about private practice? But also, what do you find most challenging? So I suppose what I like most, I, th I think I'm one of those um, multi-hyphenated people who likes to, I don't re didn't realise, I suppose, until I've come into private practice, how I like to do the breadth of stuff. Um, because I suppose I, I always knew, like, I like nursing and the nine to five kind of, I didn't like as much. So I've always liked flexibility. But what I yeah. love about private practice is the flexibility, being your own boss, yeah. being really creative in the way you work with people. So I'm not, you know, I tend to work with self-funding people. So I don't do work with referral agencies and some health insurance. So we have as many sessions as we need, works yeah. really collaboratively, collaboratively with the client yeah you know and it's the flexibility the creativity you know working with amazing people being able to do podcasts like this yeah. the one one of the things that really kind of pushed me into private practice was that they um I wanted to do the um compassionate mind training with Paul Gilbert in Derby and the NHS just wouldn't have funded that at yeah. that time I don't they might do now and it's just having those opportunities having doing the training that I really wanted to do have the supervision and as much of it as I wanted you yeah. know there was so much I wanted to do so that uh, a few of the things that I absolutely love about private practice yeah. It's having more yeah. autonomy, being able to yeah. sort of focus on the things that you feel passionate about. And I think you're right, yeah. you know, I mean, over here in Australia, we work under the Medicare system. So yeah. um, people get, at the moment, a maximum of 20 sessions. It, it was cut back to 10 and it may well be that again Gosh. after the new year. Um, and I think it does make it difficult, doesn't it? So when you yeah. can work with people who are funded differently or self-funded, 
then it makes a difference because you can spend the time that's needed. You know, the, these yeah. arbitrary funding packages are based on government decisions, yeah. not research. So, um, yes, but also the other way, I hadn't realised that when I came into private practice, I'll come, I'll sometimes have people that come for one session and say, I just want to see what it's like. That's it. I'm off or have four sessions. And they're like, no, I want to go away, do this reading. And then if I need you, will come back in the NHS. Yeah. I'd like to take everybody to eight sessions. The power yeah. balance was different and I hadn't realised it, you know, yeah. So I, I love, you know, I think it's really enhanced my skills being able to work with people long term. It's it's very yeah. different therapy, very different therapy. And and I, I just am really passionate about that. But also doing the short, much shorter work, you know, depending on what people need. It's interesting when you put in a kind of you've just got 10 sessions. We yeah. kind of will work to 10 sessions. People will have 10 sessions. But, uh, yeah. you know, when, when you don't have those boundaries, you kind of think, well, yeah. what do we need? what do you need yeah. what's right you're constantly yeah. checking in all the time yeah fantastic and what what are some of the things that you find most challenging about it because it's not I mean it's not always easy running your own business is it no and certainly no. here when people study to be um psychologists for example there is no teaching around how to run a psychology practice no there no. is no that was business the biggest training no. No, I mean, hopefully that'll come in, in time, but it's the same over here that you just, yeah. I had no idea about running a business or a website or accounts. I, I remember, um, you know, setting up the, the most bizarre accounting system <laughs> that took quite a long time for an accountant to unpick, but I was like, oh, <laughs> it was really bad but some of the challenges I think I've kind of got a handle on most of them now but I think definitely it was the uncertainty you know will this work I remember when I when I left the NHS I took on a rental that was more than my mortgage and I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) but in doing that I kind of had to make it work so that was good but I think for a long time I was like I lived with the uncertainty I actually really like now that I have some very busy weeks and and quiet weeks and busy days and quiet days that really suits me I could never do the consistency of five clients a day five days a week just would never work for me I like the up and down of it um so yes the and I think a lot of people worry about so there's the uncertainty you have to manage because you know especially with covid that yeah. you know my business halved in in a week and i did not see that coming at all so yeah. there are risks but you can manage those risks i think lots of people worry about isolation or i'll be on my own well i was more isolated in a big team working in a really dingy cupboard um where yeah. in the nhs whereas now i've got a lovely room i know lots of the business owners around where I work I feel a lot more connected but then I suppose I've worked at that I've built connections like you know kind of doing this with you and we've got to know each other while I've been in private practice so my connections I would say have kind of really grown Um, I I think that's a good point though because it, it can be if you're in a solo private practice or even in some group practices here it's just sort of people come and go and they I used to I was very blessed I worked in a group practice where we all worked for ourselves but worked in the same practice but we all spent lunchtime 
together. We did oh, the clients lovely. over lunchtime. And that worked That's really well. Nice. But, you know, I know speaking to a lot of people in great practices, it can be a little bit, they don't know the other people who are working there. Yeah. And I think, like you say, you have to work at it. You have to create networks, don't you? You have to create a yeah. support system for yourself. Absolutely. It's hugely important. And I suppose the last thing, I don't know how you found with this, and I'm still working on it, is, that, uh, is, is boundaries, not working too much, because you've so, I'm so excited about it. I'm so passionate about it um and and it's you know there's no admin to buffer the emails I mean I have had that at times but still it's your business when people really need yeah. support I really struggle to say no or kind of stick to the hours that I set myself sometimes yeah. so being boundaried I think I think living with my chronic illness and learning to sort of mm. manage that and navigate that for me has been really helpful in keeping yeah. my boundaries firmer I got I got to learn how to say no and be with the discomfort of saying no quite well uh, but it's yeah. an area that I work with a lot of people in of how do yeah. you maintain the boundaries for yourself so you can take care of yourself absolutely so, yeah, I think it's a lot huge, of people do struggle it? yeah 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 you're constantly you know. learning constantly working at, at that yeah, area definitely. to get, get it right yeah, yeah. What do you think has been the most helpful for you when it comes to running your practice? The most helpful, um, I think, has been kind of having the support around me. So having amazing supervision. I think we both share. Do you have supervision with Mary Welford as yeah. well? Yeah. yeah. So having, you know, Mary as a supervisor was like the one of the, I think I, I, contacted her as I started in private practice thinking she'll probably be too busy but you know having that support is just, she's been phenomenal um and I've had other supervisors as well so there's been times where I've kind of had been in group supervisions and yeah. had other supervisors on top of that so I've had loads of supervision which yeah. has been really good um, again it's an important aspect isn't it to feel supported that you're not actually yes. on your own with this but also to make sure because we all have blind spots don't we so make sure that yes actually we are getting that that um supervision of our own practice yeah yeah absolutely and I, I've done a lot of work with different business coaches as well and yeah. you know to kind of because I got really interested in kind of how businesses run and yeah. and about marketing I thought found it all really really fascinating yeah. so that's been kind of I mean, it feels like a hobby really yeah. um so that, that's been really good to work with and I've I generally have worked with women and that's been you know given me a lot of confidence and you know working with women Women that have been doing amazing things so that's been you know I've really enjoyed that I think having a good website has been really helpful for me and kind yeah. of you know that's been investing in that and understanding and how that works has yeah. kind of that is the foundation of my business that's how most people find me and yeah. uh, you know that's that's been hugely helpful um working with uh, yeah, having a few business besties so other yeah. therapists that do exactly the same as what I do so you know there's there'll be some times where you'll say oh referrals are completely dropped off I'm never going to be busy again and they they will pick you up at those times yeah. so when yeah. you're having a struggle they've obviously generally they've been through it and they're out yeah. the other end yeah <laughs> so, so can... being able to normalize each other's experience isn't it 
yeah that this yeah. is what happens business is not consistent yeah no it's not yeah. and I think finally is having a, a business plan in place which is something I came to quite late in the day I didn't I didn't even know what to put in one so I was like I'll have to skip that step and come back to it at a later <laughs> state but now I, I like you were talking about you plan your holidays for the year yeah. I do that now and I'm working yeah. kind of three month slots of right you know September to Christmas this is what I'm going to be yeah. focusing on this is what I'm going to be doing and and then planning out three months at a time and having goals for my businesses has, yeah. has been hugely you know so having a good business plan and understanding yeah. business planning has been very helpful and having a buffer has been helpful financial buffer because I am like completely triggered by if I don't have money in my bank account or yeah. I c- might not be able to pay something that is like triggering for me and it will take me off being able to work with well with clients and yeah yeah so so you have to learn what your threats are and kind of get those covered so having I'm kind of that I was going to say six months salary in the bank that would be a lie I'm on my way (laughs) to it (laughs) but you make a good point don't because this is about getting to know yourself isn't it it's like know yourself know the sort of things that are going to be problematic for you know the sort of things that are going to put you into threat or put you under stress and overwhelm and then put things in place in your business that can help kind of prevent alleviate buffer that sort of stuff Um, yeah because it's 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 more than just being the therapist isn't it it's being the therapist and being the business owner yes and, and managing all of that yeah absolutely and when when your business is running really smoothly and is nice and secure you can focus on being the therapist and that's what you enjoy that's where you want your spotlight of attention to be if it's on the business then you're not going to be delivering the therapy and then quite quickly you spiral into self-criticism and and just it goes downhill a little bit so having a good business having putting the time and investment in that to be solid means that you can forget it and focus on your therapy and you know I have um I work from home now but I do three days a week in in Wilmslow and when I'm there all I do is I shut the door and I'm just with my clients and notes and that's it and then Mondays and Tuesdays I do you know other things I've kind of blocked out my time for certain things you have to make I think that's one of the things when I'm working with people that they they focus on the clients and the therapy but they forget to put in time for marketing accounts you know working with coaches and stuff like that they ignore that time and that's what can lead to burnout because it's running a business is time consuming yeah and yeah and that's the thing you've got to allocate time for it haven't you you can't do all of it every day of the week so and I think you were saying before about making a plan and sort of thinking okay what am I going to focus on for the next three months Mm. and then being realistic about what can I give my time to in the next three months so that you're not getting overwhelmed that we don't take on too much and then overwhelm ourselves or thinking ahead like currently at the moment I'm living in chaos and waiting to move house and I'm having to pull back on some things so that I'm not overwhelmed because yeah. my my emotional sort of resilience and my energy levels mm. are less because of the situation that we're living in right now. So you, it's important, mm. isn't it, to tune in. Where am I at? What's going on in yeah. life? 
what's going yeah. on in my business and how do I need to kind of massage that so yeah. that I can take care of myself and have you know longevity in practice sustainability in practice all those things Absolutely. are so important hey yeah and I moved house last year it was yeah and I thought it nailed I thought I've got this nailed until the last month and then I was like okay I've not got it it's so stressful isn't it <laughs> but it's horrible then, <laughs> it is, but it's totally worth it but after I moved I was like the three months after that I was like this is my a quiet phase in my business I didn't really do anything I really slowed it all down and yeah, yeah and you you plan for that don't you yeah so. absolutely so if you were starting out today yeah and you were opening your own practice. Yeah. What would you do differently? And what do you wish you'd known at the start? Oh my God. I could like I literally we need to scrap out the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know anybody that had set up in private practice. So I made all the mistakes. I I've like done it all. I think the, the biggest thing is I would not. I can't do numbers. I look at numbers and I go a bit blind. I've got that probably got number dyslexia or something. So I should never have done my own bookkeeping and accountancy and never have done the tax return. It, that was really bad. <laughs> so and I was really like, I've got this. And I would talk to some people that would do their own books and stuff and manage it quite well. But I like that is the one thing I would have you know what you're not good at and pass it on to somebody else that would have saved me an awful lot of time yeah. and I think I I just wanted to kind of have clients through the door that was my kind of focus to so that I could build up the income and go oh I'm making it work and actually I wish I'd spent a bit more time thinking about what I wanted my business to look like yes and because yeah. I did work a lot with referral companies and ended up with instead of one boss, I had now 10 requiring different paperwork and different computer systems. And they were quite rude to me, to be honest. And they didn't yeah. pay that well. And or they'd pay three months later down the line. Yeah. And it was just I, you know, I don't do that now. But I think, you know, I was I was doing that, but also building up my website and probably any marketing that I was getting through my website or business, I had to turn down because I was so busy yeah. with. You know, so I wish I'd spent time thinking, what do I want this to look like? What do I want yeah. my life to look like? Where do I want my referrals to come to from? And yeah. prioritise those rather than, yeah. you know, just getting clients through the door. But I think it was the fear of, will I make any money? It was absolutely. So I wonder if know your threats. Absolutely. I think it's spot on there. I when, I, when I work with people, it, it's that question of, do you want to do that? You know, yeah, ask yourself yeah. the question, do yes. I want to work with that presentation? Do I want to do that yeah. sort of insurance work or whatever it might be? What yes. do you want life to look like? And then how can you actually factor in the things you need for your business within that? Yeah. And I think yeah. you really spot on when you, you mentioned fear, because I think a lot of that is driven by. But what if I don't get any clients? So I just need yeah. to take whatever comes through the door. And like you realized, unfortunately, you, you then end up with likely a busy caseload yeah of work that really you'd rather not have and Absolutely. then it's hard to transition it to what you want so I think starting out yeah. like you said some questions around what do I actually want my business to be is really yeah. really wise 
Yes. Yeah. And I kind of think now if I don't kind of think, yes, I really want to do this work like and get an excitement, I kind of just say no to it. So I've really learned to tune in to kind of how things make me make me feel, because every time I kind of pulled away from a referral company that had, you know, that I'd made a lot of money from, I it was really tough to do. So once you set it up, it's really scary to pull it back, but it's totally worth it. I think there's something about when you create space in your business, really exciting things come into it as well, which you have to just trust and just just create the spaces yeah it's like many Um, things in life isn't it it takes courage to be with all the discomfort that shows up yeah but it allows you to actually build your business the way you want it to be and to create your life the way you want it to be as well yeah Yeah. so I know that you you like me have done lots of training in CFT and compassionate mind training how do you think cultivating a compassionate mind can assist to navigate these dual roles of helping professional and business owner? Yeah, I, think, I know for me, so, it's been really helpful. Oh, it's been absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's compassion focused therapy and the work Paul Gilbert and Mary and Deborah and all those have it's completely changed changed my life you know and it's been it's fundamental to my business in that I know how to take care of myself it was actually when I kind of came into private practice that I started to struggle with my health you know after all those years of sick pay and stuff that you know so I really had to start applying that stuff to my myself and I think you know you if you don't feel like you're doing a good job as a therapist because it's somebody else's health at the end of that it's it's really tough it's really tough so that has and but to do that work you have to look after yourself your mind is a tool from which you work so you have to take take care of that you know so that you know doing the mindful mindfulness the compassion focused therapy practices are hugely important but I think what's helped me the most is is developing the courage and the strength to make difficult decisions because I suppose that's I would be like a bit more of a people pleaser things would be going wrong and I'd kind of go oh I don't want to do that and now I'm a bit like this is best what's best for me what's gonna make me the best for my clients and and it's making tough decisions has has been the thing that I've learned the most I suppose and really you know using the model of CFT I use that within within my life and my business. So really yeah. identifying the threats when I'm in drive mode. You know, I recognize that in myself, even if it's a positive, that excitement, I yeah. can kind of oversubscribe myself to lots <laughs> of things. So if I feel yeah. like really so many shiny things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to do them all. I want to do them all now. <laughs> yes. So if I and I recognize that feel, I'm still not I'm good, you know, work in progress and all that, but I'll I'll try and tone it down. And you know, I can definitely lack the soothing systems. So I have to, you know, work at that. So having that model from you for your business. So like yeah working on the threats in the business you know sometimes occasionally you'll get a difficult client or somebody won't pay you and you know I do not want that to hijack my mindset too much I've really really focused in on this is what my threat is so how can I kind of get myself back to um kind of 
a balance as quickly as possible you know that's fundamental i think i think for me sort of you know developing a compassionate mind has really allowed me to change my relationship with myself and listen to myself and tune in like you say start to get to know where are my threats where are my stresses what sort of things overwhelm me what sort of things bring me joy and excitement yeah yeah how to know my limits and when I've gone over them (laughs) so that I can pull back and and also the things that actually feel helpful to nurture yourself yeah. And like you said, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress, I think, for all of us. Or as Diana Hill says, a life in process. Yes, um, yes. You know, yeah. we're never the finished project, are we? Yeah, <laughs> but, it, but it's so helpful, isn't it? And, and I, as I do, you live with chronic illness and chronic yep. health challenges. And I know that this impacts how we manage our work life. What do you think are the biggest challenges that you face in terms of taking care of yourself, both within and outside of your work and how do you try and address them the biggest challenges oh gosh I I suppose it it is getting a balance I think we both are similar in that it's quite invisible conditions that we have and and that has been my biggest challenge because I look fine sometimes and sometimes inside I've not been fine and I feel like I have to scream it to people but or or I'll I won't scream it to people so people don't know around me so I have um, a thyroid condition which I mean literally I think within months of starting my private practice I was hit with a thyroid condition that gave me chronic fatigue for about two years and that is terrifying I mean my background's in nursing I'm used to doing 12-hour shifts I have no boundaries I can really put in the hours and not look at myself like uh like you wouldn't believe so it absolutely stopped me in the tracks having to think about myself and slow myself down and I do wonder you know sometimes if it's interesting the types of people that get these conditions that just stop themselves. Yep. <laughs> I work. Do you think that as well? We work, you know? Well, I think you I know, for know. me, it was, I think there's this little wisdom. It, well, it was a very quiet wisdom voice that was showing up and showing up and showing up, but I was not listening. Oh, God, and then it's no. like, right, you're not listening. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'll put you on your back. Yeah, because you were a single mum doing your PhD, weren't you? (laughs) I mean, when I heard your story, it's like, oh my god, I'm fine. I'm not an single mum doing a PhD and sometimes working three jobs. I mean, I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny, but it's not um, funny. It's not funny when you look back. No, it's like, oh my. At the time, you're in survival mode, and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're activating that drive system. And, yeah. you know, threat-based drive system and yeah. keeping on going. So and I do think if you don't you stop yourself, sick. yeah, your body says, okay, yeah. enough of that. And it's interesting well, the time it came for me. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, I mean, mm. we're not robots, are we? So we can't, we mm. honestly can't expect ourselves to keep pushing and pushing mm. and pushing and pushing and not doing the things your body needs no which no, one of them is no. rest <laughs> yeah like we're designed to sleep we're a species that's designed to sleep for you know a large amount of hours a day yeah and um, nap as well so you know, we should we, all have naps in the afternoon and stuff so we're just I not programmed napping. to do 
do you? I'm a, I'm a big advocate <laughs> for napping now, I've decided. So. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, yeah, it's kind of getting the balance for yourself, isn't it? Recognising your boundaries, you get stopped in your tracks. Yeah. Um, I have now have celiac as well and, you know, a lady of a certain age has the menopause to deal with, which I yeah. thought was nowhere near me until yeah. recent years yeah. and, you know and I can't believe how uneducated we are as women even yeah. as therapists I never asked women about kind of hormonal health and and yeah. stuff and it's uh, you know I'm almost disgusted that it should be a fundamental part of our training shouldn't it physical yeah. health which I think yeah. that that will will come in um so I suppose it's people around you don't see your challenges do yeah. they so it's getting so it's hard to have that validated so then it's hard to validate it for yourself yeah. but the biggest challenge is knowing your boundaries getting better at it but being really in tune in your body and I think one of my motivations is that if, if you're not good for you when you're not feeling good you get very self-focused uh -huh. and your attention really narrows but when you're in the best place and you're feeling good you're you're much better for other people so yeah. your attention broadens and you're outward focused and that makes us much better therapists and much nicer people to be around so yeah. you know if, if you struggle to do it for yourself sometimes it's really thinking that self-care is actually the best thing for everybody around us as well yeah yeah and I think mm. you know for, for other therapists who struggle with chronic illness because I think there's yeah. lots of us out there and yeah. it's not really something well, who we've escapes? talked about I mean yeah yeah we all get hit at some point absolutely whether it's physical health mental health I think mm. I don't know about in the UK but certainly here I think there's an element of fear of people speaking out and saying actually I'm not well which yeah. is really sad because I think one of the important things when you're dealing with whether it's chronic physical illness or chronic mental illness is learning to actually ask for help because like you were saying yeah. the things that you and I deal with are invisible and and people mm. you know, I can remember going places and, and people we know saying oh you look amazing and I think mm. oh my gosh you don't even know what it took me to get here yeah yeah but because you look yeah. well it's like well you must be yeah. well well I remember um losing quite a lot of weight at, at one point and everybody was like you look amazing you look amazing it was like I had a real I was really ill with my thyroid condition yeah. it wasn't you know it's, it's really bad isn't it yeah, yeah. and I yeah. think asking you know developing the I won't say comfort because I think it can remain very uncomfortable if you're somebody that's not been used to asking for help or finds that difficult mm is working on being able to ask for help whether mm. that's stuff in your personal life because your, your health isn't great stuff in your business because you're struggling with it you know mm. like you were saying before there's so many aspects to business and there's so much yeah. learning on top of staying up to date with all the therapy you're using and what yeah. have you but actually reaching out to other people and asking for help yeah yeah but I think it's difficult sometimes for people to hear it as well because it's just not fashionable, is it? Yeah. You know, and it's people want this Instagram kind of world. So if sometimes when people ask for help, other people just kind of blank it off a little bit because they oh. don't. 
yeah just being human and all our ups and downs is not trendy it's not you know there's that challenge as well you know hashtag not trendy to be human (laughs) it's not trendy to be human unless it's something we need to change this (laughs) yeah i know but it's ignored like should be being human should be one of the trendiest things isn't it (laughs) Yes, yeah. And with that comes our ups and downs. We all experience yeah. grief. We many of us are carers, aren't we, for other yeah. people? And that's like yeah. we care for my mother-in-law's got dementia. I probably don't really mention that much because yeah. nobody wants to hear it, you know, and that's that's tough. So there's something yeah. about opening up people's voices, isn't there? And other people hearing it. It's that the yeah. tragedy, isn't it? The the dark side that Paul Gilbert talks a lot about mm. that life is really, really tough, and we can't yeah. pretend that it's not. And when you can't do loads of therapy to get to the point where everything's going to be rosy forever, that's no, it's no working with the tough stuff, isn't it? We we all suffer, and I think you make a good point. You know, there's there's things going on like you're you're looking after your mother-in-law with dementia, and people are in all sorts of different caring roles on top of being a helping professional in terms of say mm. being a therapist for their clients and actually acknowledging that for yourself that actually I yeah. hold many roles and some of them are really hard to hold and mm. I am human first and I choose to be a helping professional as actually a yeah. work role you know it's one aspect of our life isn't it and we we need to acknowledge that actually we have full lives that aren't Mm. all about the work that we do yeah 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 it's challenging work it's challenging work on a good day (laughs) what do we do (laughs) But it's so and rewarding, isn't it? It's so, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it's lots of other people are in jobs where you go home and you talk to your partner or you talk to your friends mm. about your work and you might, you know, have a bit of a moan about your job or you might talk about something yeah. exciting that happened at work. And generally as therapists, that's, we don't get we don't, to do that. No. Because we, we no. can't go home and start talking about our clients and what we no. heard and the stories we heard. So, it's a lot to carry and I think if you don't have good peer support or you don't have good supervision then you're actually holding a lot of stories and yes if people are in therapy they're likely going to be stories of suffering so you're holding a lot of suffering by yourself I always say that the one one of the main things that my clients have given me is is the ability to see that we are all struggling we all have our stories you know I get amazing people walk into my clinic room every single day and I think they just look amazing and then they have this underneath us this story like everybody and that so I walk around the street going you all have your stories I know when so many people walk around and go I'm broken everybody else has got it together that's the, the one thing that you know it's a real it's interesting from being a therapist isn't it that we have that different take on it yeah Mm. absolutely and and having that you know ability to have that compassionate lens to see Mm. that actually everyone is suffering including ourselves and making sure that we include the three flows of compassion in our lives 
you know, yeah. compassion to others, which most of us as helping professionals are very good at, very skilled at. Yeah. Can give out loads of compassion. Here, yeah. have some compassion. I've got heaps of it. Yeah. You can have some. <laughs> yeah. But then also offering compassion to ourselves. And then, mm. you know, people will sometimes say self-compassion is the hardest. In my experience of talking to people and from my own experience is actually receiving compassion from others mm, yeah, can be really the hard, one that's really it? tricky. Yes. Yeah. 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 And allowing ourselves as helping professionals to receive that compassion from mm. others as well, as well as giving it to ourselves. I'm just having a, I had Paul Gilbert on the podcast a couple of um, weeks ago and at the end we were talking, he asked me at the end about, oh, your, my health conditions. And he was like, that's tough. That's right. He was giving me compassion. But yeah. like, so I was like, oh God, I know what you're doing. This is, I could have squirmed. He was like, that's oh. really tough. I was like, oh, that's horrible. I was like, yeah. I was, um, I realized that I'm just really not used to it. You yeah. know, he's been very therapeutic. He was offering me compassion. I really yeah. struggled with it. <laughs> it can be hard. I, I had um, spent a lot of time, you know, working on my own self-compassion and yeah. pre-COVID, gosh, I don't even know when it was now, probably 2019, I went over to New York to present at Dennis mm -hmm. Tersh's um, Compassion Summit. Oh, wow. And the evening before the summit, we had a dinner at his house and I fell and busted my ankle. Oh. And of course, I'm with all these presenters who were presenting at Compassion Summit. So they're all these beautiful, compassionate people. And I'm on the floor and everybody came rushing over oh, to God. help. And I felt physically <laughs> sick. <laughs> And just wanted to tell them all to go, I'm fine, I'm fine. I wasn't fine. I couldn't walk. And I had to have, I think it was Stan Steidel and Yottam, um, help me under my arms to get me back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, that was, and then throughout the, um, the summit, people going and getting my lunch for me because there was these stairs mm -hmm. that I couldn't walk down. And having to be really open to receiving this compassion. And that was a massive learning for so me. So interesting, isn't it? That, oh, yeah. like I was shocked at first, but then really kind of looked and went, wow, this is something I, I need to work on because yeah. I thought I was all over this compassion thing. Like I now I'm compassionate to others and I've got really good at being compassionate to myself. But when this compassion was coming to me, I was like you, it was like, oh. Ugh, well, you right. can't moderate it, can you? You can't grade it. I think even developing self-compassion, you can go, okay, right, done for the day. That's good. <laughs> done my, tick my self-care box and off I go. I can forget that for the rest. But when it's from people, you can't moderate it. You can't, can you? You can't block it, really. So, no. Well, you can. No. But if you really allow it in, it's really overwhelming. Yeah. 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 And I think one of the interesting things for me was that real understanding then you know I always think it's you know these experiences and I think Paul Gilbert had said this to me at one point um or at a training that you know we go through these difficult things but as psychologists they can be really good learning experiences <laughs> like once, once we've dealt with it on a personal yeah. level they can actually be really yeah. good learning experiences yeah. therapists because for me it was like okay I need to titrate how compassionate I am towards certain clients as well or they're yes. going to be in my yes. room feeling like they want to leg it out this the door. is a nightmare yes yeah yes. so That's just really actually moderating yeah. that you're not kind of being overly compassionate to people at the start when actually that's really aversive for them
absolutely so becomes... yeah. and I think people can really tell when you've had to do the work yourself people can really tell can't they and you can feel like you're really doing kind of they'll say how did you kind of do you do mindfulness every day do you do these compassion exercises and and I think if you can share that your experience of having to do then that's can really open things up for people and you know but then sometimes people want the therapist to be kind of these perfect people that don't have the ups and downs and just (laughs) don't they and orcs were not like that no no. despite despite I think you know training sort of years ago wanting you to be this kind of blank slate of don't don't be don't let anybody know anything about yourself Yes, but I think that's quite unique it's in the tricky. compassion world, isn't it? That we kind yeah. of present as we're human too. We go through yeah. stuff and it's yeah. showing that common humanity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what would be one piece of advice? And I know that can be hard to single things down to one thing, but what would one be one piece of advice you would share with our listeners? Well, I think this is easy for me. I like uh, oh, I have brilliant. something in mind. <laughs> is that I, I really think that the most important relationship we have is, is with ourselves. And when we get that right, we are in the best place for everybody else. So it starts with ourselves. Instead of kind of often we kind of focus outwards on what we can do for others and everybody around us. But if you're not okay, then that's going to fall. That's not sustainable. It's going to fall down. And like I said before, when you know when you you're struggling, our focus goes inwards, and we're not great for everybody around us. But when we're in a good place, when we've got the relationship with ourselves kind of sorted, then we can we can see broad, and we're much better for other people around us. So I think creating awareness of mind is you know really yeah. tuning in how you are, so that you can kind of get your own needs met, put your oxygen own oxygen mask on first, so that yeah. you can be in a good place for everybody else. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you. I totally agree. The 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 best and longest mm. relationship we'll ever have um yeah sorry the most important and longest relationship um hopefully yeah. the best relationship hopefully the best yes is the one absolutely. we have with ourselves it's so so yeah. important isn't it yeah it sets the tone for every everything else in your in your yeah. life so mm-hmm. yeah i do i honestly think so as well that we can take care of our clients best when we take care of ourselves first yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm going to ask you a question i ask all of my guests if you could meet your 80 year old self what do you think your future self would say to you it's such an interesting question isn't it I've not been asked that one before it's such a you know think, oh my god I hope I meet my you know get to 80 which is like phenomenal isn't it um if I could meet my 80 year old self she'd say slow down and enjoy the moments more notice the moments yeah I remember I did this thing on Instagram a while ago and and I just did it for myself but every day I'd I'd take a picture of a moment and then I'd post it and kind of go today's moment and that was really good at kind of because I'd go about my day thinking what's a nice moment what's going to be my moment today and it would you know just be something tiny and I think oh maybe if I could do that every day that would be really good so notice the moment slow down yeah lovely because mm, I think it goes so fast doesn't it we'll be eight yeah. before we know it touch well yeah hopefully I don't know 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to get there, just not. I want to get there, just not the air. Yeah, slow it down. Yeah. <laughs> but it be here, of... my. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, so, if people want to find out more about you or get in touch, where can they find mm. you and engage with you and your work? Yeah, and I'll website... put links. Oh, brilliant. My website yeah, on the show kind notes. of. Yeah, everything's on my website. Um, so I do lots of blogs for um, on different mental health topics and journaling and therapy. And um, there's Therapist Corner on there, stuff for other therapists. So my website, sarahdreese.co.uk. And I'm probably at the moment most active on Instagram, I'd like to say, but I've been just off it the last couple of weeks. So, But I normally do lots of stuff on Instagram and the podcast is ask the therapist where you can listen to a podcast I did with Hayley (laughs) which was fantastic (laughs) oh you've got some great stuff um on your podcast some great guests yeah it's really it's fun to do isn't it it feels like such a treat to have an excuse to kind of contact some amazing people and get them on and have some great conversations yeah absolutely so website podcast instagram although yeah. you're having a bit of a break from that which I think as well can yeah. be a very good part of self-care to just step back and go I just whack some wane with the... Instagram a bit yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely thank you so much for having me on I've really enjoyed myself it's nice thank not you. being the host <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on it's it really is an absolute pleasure and it's lovely to have you on my podcast having been on your podcast and I look forward to seeing you at the Compassionate Mind Foundation conference in Edinburgh in October. <gasps> I'm booking it. I'm booking it. I can't wait. So excited. Fantastic. I know. Looking forward to that. Yeah. And just to give them a little plug, actually, just for anybody that can't yes. go to Edinburgh, it is online as well. So they can go to the Compassionate Mind Foundation website and find out information about it there. Fantastic. Yeah. It's going to be a Thanks. good one. They are good yeah, fun. They are. <laughs> so thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks, Hayley. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for sharing this time with me today. I hope your time here was helpful and supportive. If there has been something in this episode that you have found helpful, I invite you to share it with another person you think might benefit. I'd also love it if you'd like to leave a review wherever you tune in. Reviews really help to increase awareness of podcasts, meaning I can spread helpful information more widely. All reviews are welcome and much appreciated, as I know they take time out of your day. Music and editing by Nissa Ray. Thanks, Nissa. I wish you all well in your relationship with yourself, and may you go well and go gently. Gently.